Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Sarah Jones, a Tony and Obie award-winning performer and writer known for her multi-character one-person shows, including her current critically acclaimed show, Sell by Date. And now, here's our first letter. So, the subject line is, is this so wrong? Dear Prudence, I've been married almost 15 years to a wonderful man who unfortunately is currently coping with invasive cancer treatment. Early in the marriage, we floated the idea of an open marriage, and he's had a few dates with other women, which we've both been happy with. I've never been in a rush to meet other men, partly because four babies and seven years left me with body image problems, and partly because he's confessed that it would need to be the right combination for him to feel okay and not too jealous. Well, I recently met a great guy at a work conference. We have ridiculous chemistry and had an insane week of intense sex that caught us both off guard. We both also have equally happy marriages and families, and neither of us is comfortable with the idea of continuing to cheat. Our plan had been to talk to our spouses about what happened between us and see how they felt before the next conference. Instead, COVID-19 happened, my husband got sicker, his wife developed anxiety, and the chance of our seeing each other anytime soon is zero. But we have kept having secret phone calls and video chats and are meeting a need for each other right now that's both sexual and emotional as we take care of our families. I know you can't answer this really, but it's not something I want to bring to friends or my husband and I need a reality check. This feels harmless in that it's helping me hold it together and it's just not the right time to be honest. I keep feeling like I should be guilty, but instead I'm just savoring a sweet connection with a really nice man. Is it okay to keep this to myself and keep the connection? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, this is unbelievably fraught and challenging and going through invasive cancer treatments for your husband while we're already on various forms of lockdown and shelter in place due to a pandemic is hugely stressful. I really, I I think I just want to start by saying like, I I get that. I hear that. That's really hard. Yeah, I want to echo that. I mean, it's funny. I had a couple of medical procedures myself during this pandemic and it did sort of feel like all rules are out the window. Mm. Um, But one thing that came up for me in reading this is words like harmless and cheating, they kind of don't go together. And I, I keep feeling this nagging sense of if one isn't honest now, it's just a deferment. You will have to come clean about this at some point and it'll probably hurt more later than just to kind of face what's actually happening in real time, at least with someone. I wonder if this person is talking to anyone. I was also struck by that. Not because I want to be unduly hard on the letter writer. I don't. But I think that whole attempt at the end to spin it as like, it's actually basically harmless. It's helping me keep it together. The implication being if I wasn't allowed to do this every once in a while, I might have to like leave my partner or fall apart. It's actually necessary for my mental health, which I think is a really... Um, slippery slope when it comes to justifying doing something that we want to do, but we're afraid our reasons for doing it aren't good enough. So we try to come up with better motivations than the ones we actually have. 
Mm. which, you know, I've certainly done in my own life, but it's sort of like, gee whiz, this isn't actually because I love having sex with him. It's it's because it's such a good stress relief that it's for my mental health. Really, it's kind of like seeing a doctor when you think about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you I was going to say, it's up, totally medicinal. This is totally yeah. medicinal cheating. And again, I don't say that to be really hard on this person. I just mean like, I think you need to be allowed to say I'm doing this because it feels really good and I really want to do it. I agree. Because I think being dishonest with ourselves about our motivations make it harder to be honest about other things. And I don't think you need to think, well, if I'm doing this because it feels good and I want to, then I'm an evil hedonist. But if I'm doing it because I'm secretly suffering and in need of healing that only his like sexting can provide, then I'm basically just like a martyr who's doing what has to be done. You took the M word right out of my mouth. And eventually martyrdom, I think the thing that I've found in my life is when I'm kind of doing it on the sneak and I sort of feel like I'm getting away with it, it actually ends up coming out sideways and the relationship that I'm getting so much relief from can get corrupted in the process too. And that's when it gets really gnarly. Right. And again, like, I understand that this is maybe a time where your husband would be really overwhelmed by learning about this, but just in general, a statement like, it's just not the right time to be honest. It's not a time to be honest or not honest because it would make somebody else feel better. Like, that's not the purpose of honesty. The purpose of honesty is so my partner knows what's actually going on, not because I think it would make them feel good or bad. So again, you are allowed to keep this from your partner. We cannot force you to say anything to him, but um, you don't need to go to these justifications. I, I think there's a better way through this for you. So here's just like, I, sorry, I kind of picked apart, like here's why I don't think you need to say the things you're saying now. But in terms of what do I think you can do, I'll say a couple of things. One is it would probably be really painful and upsetting if your husband overheard something or saw something while you two were quarantined together. So bear in mind that uh, these secret phone calls and video chats are feeling great for you right now and you can convince yourself that they're harmless if your husband who is currently receiving cancer treatments were to find out. And I think the fact that you two are probably confined to pretty close quarters right now means it's not impossible that he could find out that would be pretty bad. So doesn't mean you have to go tell him right now, but bear in mind that that would be probably a a, a worse outcome than if you told him. Couldn't agree more. Um, And then the other thing is like, you two have had conversations about open marriage in the past. He's been on dates with other women. You've talked about the things that he's worried or anxious about in terms of you seeing other people. Like this is not like you've never talked about it or that he said, like, if you ever slept with someone else, I would run away to the moon and never talk to you again. Like, I I think he probably would be jealous. And I think there's ways in which it would be painful. But I also think that um, this is not outside of the remit of the kind of conversations you've had in your relationship before. And if you were to say something like, I'm sorry, I kept this from you. I shouldn't have kept this from you, but I felt really bad about the timing. And also, uh, you know, I I did stuff before I told you about it, which is not something I normally want, but I met someone, we had great sex, and I want you to know about it because it's an important component of the open marriage that we've talked about before. I think that's a conversation you could at least consider having with him. I couldn't agree more. And I think the idea that right now is not a good time for honesty, it's always a good time for honesty. The question is, who are you going to with the information? And what's your intent for me? Mm -hmm. So 
the solution you propose, Danny, to the letter writer makes so much sense to me, especially because in partnerships where I really want to love someone in an honest way, and I do want their feelings not to be hurt, but I don't know. I think there's a disconnect between loving someone and lying to them. Right. Especially because like the plan is we're just going to keep doing this. So, you know, maybe if it was like, we've agreed not to see one another again, we're going to leave it as is. The idea of not speaking about it to your husband would make a little bit more sense to me. But I just think like, this is apparently going to be an ongoing part of what you do during quarantine. And, And so the idea that this just needs to be something that you decide unilaterally you get to do for stress relief and your husband doesn't get to have any input. Like that's not what he did when he went on dates with other people in your open marriage. Like he did not treat you in that way. And I think you should be led by your husband's behavior here. I think you should take his example. Yeah. And I think I I also want to sort of echo that this is you know, uh, we're in heretofore unknown territory. So even if Mm -hmm. the conversations around open marriage in the past, you know, were transparent and felt um, like everybody was on the same page, it makes sense that, you know, we're sort of in a new book (laughs) that no one's ever seen. And so I want to honor that the letter writer is doing their best and, you know, really genuinely wants the best for everyone. Um, I just hope that they find a way to honor their primary relationship. Yeah. And I just like, I just want to acknowledge too, I get that this is not a normal time. I get that your husband's ill, but I think you would have said something if like either he were quite close to dying or he wasn't able to have difficult conversations right now. You don't say anything about that. So I think I'm going to assume that while this is painful and challenging, he is still able to have conversations with you and you are not in the midst of planning for his you know, untimely death, which I think would probably affect my answer if that were the case. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, the whole point of an open relationship or an open marriage, not the whole point, but one of them at least is like, we don't try to deny our desires or the fact that we want other people. We don't try to um, hide or deny or shame ourselves for that. That doesn't mean we do anything we want at at any time, but it means these are things we can talk about and process together with one another. And um, that's an ideal that you've been able to live up to in the past. And I think that means hopefully that's a sign that if you fuck up here and you're like, I didn't do that. I like went back to the kind of old ways of thinking about like shame, secrecy, hiddenness, protecting someone else from the truth, et cetera. And I wish I hadn't done that. I'm sorry. And I'm I'm ready to like hear about the ways in which that has hurt and affected you. And for us to figure out a way forward, I, I think that's a really good vision of what your marriage could be. And it sounds a lot better to me than the kind of condescending, like, I know what's best for my husband and that's for him not to know about this. We don't really want to cheat, but we have to cheat because it's stress relief. Like, I I think in that version of your life, you're lying to yourself and I don't want that for you. This next letter is yours to read. I apologize. I look at it now and I think I definitely could have edited it down further, but I didn't. It's just a little bit long and I'm sorry about that. I did what I could. That's okay. And I'm going to... um ask forgiveness in advance for what will inevitably be a little bit of a bumpy ride here, but let's go. Subject, am I creepy? Dear Prudence, I am a 50-year-old married mother of two. I consider myself to be very lucky to have had a harmonious partnership with my husband of 25 years. We enjoy each other's company, have an active and evolving sex life, and share deep mutual respect and love. We are not wealthy, but happy. 
I am perimenopausal and have found my libido growing at this stage of my life. A while back, I started taking courses as part of a career advancement and developed a persistent, powerful crush on a teacher who led several of those courses. I never wanted to make him feel uncomfortable and said nothing. During this time, my sex life with my partner started moving in exciting new directions, and I wondered if I was becoming more interested in polyamory too. I didn't disclose this crush to my husband, but I did tell him I sometimes desire others. He was not interested in opening our relationship and wanted to maintain our monogamous status. Neither one of us has been with anyone else in all of our years together. My crush has continued, even though my courses wrapped up a year ago. I retreat to imagining my teacher at least once a day. I usually do this while I engage in the mundane, dishes, laundry, shopping, etc. I have no intention of acting on what I imagine, but I do hope I run into him. I've seen him fleetingly a couple of times since classes concluded. During these times, I was nearly paralyzed with excitement and shyness. My desire is so strong and wasn't spawned from any deficit in my life. The opposite is true. It flourished with everything else. Aging is very different than what I expected it to be like. While I understand what would be at stake, the hurt I could bring to my partner and family, the discomfort of my former teacher, and the inappropriateness of breaching my professional role, I feel sad that I can't follow through with the feelings I have. Knowing that I will never be able to indulge in a close connection with a person I'm attracted to makes me feel like I can't fully engage in the potential of what my life has to offer. This was not a concern of mine at all until the past few years. Perhaps this is just a classic midlife crisis, but would it ever be okay to explore a romantic or sexual connection with a person like my former teacher? Is there any way that could be explored without seeming like a heartless creep? Life is long, and I intend to keep my partner for life. How can we change and evolve as our sexual and relationship needs change? Mm. Yeah, so... I, I think part of the reason I left a lot of this in was it felt like this is a person who's very conscientious and thinks a lot before doing anything and um, has clearly kind of meticulously kept a lock on her behavior um, for, for years and is really kind of in her head feeling guilty about the mere existence of infatuation, crush, excitement, enthusiasm, that kind of rush of like, oh, I just saw my crush. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like it reminded me very much of like when I would have like a big crush in high school and I would rearrange my like walking to class schedule to catch a glimpse of my crush and then just be like, oh my God, <laughs> that's them. You know, this really um, challenged me because I know the letter writer is from a certain generation, right? She's 50 and mm -hmm. she's had the experience of, you know, dipping her toe into even the question of polyamory and then was rebuffed. And it was like, nope, that's not happening. And I wonder if there's a way for, and I mean, maybe I'm just the therapy pusher, but it sounds like this person maybe isn't even talking about this with anyone else. And I'm glad that the letter writer reached out and asked, you know, this like... <laughs> this, you know, flurry of questions. Can I do it? What can I do? What about it? Right. You know, you can feel the kind of like, almost like you said, like the adolescent, um, this return to that feeling of, I really, really want to, you know, be allowed to indulge in these passions. And what I would say is, hey, letter writer, you are in the second half of your life. And yeah. 
you know, really opening yourself up all the way to who you are might mean a difficult conversation with your partner. It might mean, you know, having to sacrifice the stability that you've known for, you know, engaging with a different way um, of being just so you can really more fully be yourself. But I, I feel like the the statement, you know, I will never, whenever I see that, I think, oh, mm. this is in the in the mind. Like this is a person yeah. who's, you know, kind of self-imprisoning in a story. And mm. I don't know if the person's in therapy, but I would encourage the letter writer to explore. You know, there are lots of resources for people who, have been living one way and really need to find others um, that they can talk to um, about living, you know, really fully flourishing at every level, including sexually later in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of all I want to add to that is, is just kind of slightly contradictory thoughts, I think. One is that like, you know, you, you, you think about your teacher at least one a, once a day, often when you're doing mundane stuff and the sort of implicit question that I thought might have been in there was something like, is that normal? Is that okay? Does that mean I have to do something? And to that, I would just say having a rich fantasy life, imagining about a person, even if it's frequent, as long as it's not like making a functioning life impossible is wonderful. It's a good thing. It's part of what's exciting about having an imagination. So please don't feel like you are obligated to, you know, give detailed reports on the nature of your romantic idol fantasies when you're washing dishes to your partner or to anyone else. Like that's just, that's lovely. I encourage you to think of that as a good thing, as as part of what makes you a creative and a curious and an exciting person. And, and so not to think of it as a liability or something that you should maybe feel a little guilty about. Like, it's good. Fantasy's good. I think a lot of times people write to me feeling very guilty about fantasies. And then, you know, then I hear from them six months later of like, I cheated on my husband because I didn't want to talk about fantasies. Or like, I cheated on my wife because I didn't want to talk about fantasies. And it's like, yeah, that's where that'll get you. (laughs) Um, But then my other contradictory thought is like, this is on your mind every day. And this has been happening for a couple of years. And it's not just idle fantasies about a particular type. It's one person that you met. So again, that doesn't mean that this guy is necessarily your soulmate or that you would never be able to feel this way about somebody else. But it it does mean, I think, I know you had the conversation where your partner reiterated or reaffirmed their commitment to monogamy. But I think the letter writer seems to think like, well, if we're going to be monogamous, we can't talk about this anymore. I tried. That's it. We never discussed this. Now my desire for other people is kind of my problem to manage on my own. And I don't think that that's the case. I don't think this is only worth talking about if it means your husband says, yes, I love the idea of you fucking someone else. Go for it. I think this is important to discuss, not because you want your husband necessarily to change how he feels, but because this is such a huge part of your inner life and it's something that you want your partner to know about, even if it's sometimes complicated or thorny or means that it brings up feelings of jealousy or insecurity for him. Um, So again, you don't have to give him a report on all your fantasies tomorrow, but I would encourage you, um, as Sarah said, to talk about this with a therapist or a friend or both, and then to maybe include your husband in some version of these conversations. It doesn't mean you have to show him what you just wrote, but some version of, you know, I had a very strong connection to this person. I think about him often. I have vibrant sexual fantasies about other people, and I'm not telling you this to hurt you. And I'm not telling you this because I want to leave you tomorrow, but I'm telling you this because this is the the emotional fabric of my life. And I want you to know this about me because you are my partner. 
So that that last question of like, how can we change and evolve? It would need to start with your husband knowing this about you. That would need to be the foundation for any possible change. Totally agree. And I think I wanted to sort of not contradict myself, but be very clear that, of course, fantasy is healthy and vital and a gift that I think, you know, a lot of people and especially in generations past, but even now, you know, kind of don't feel permission to own and enjoy. And I think that when the fantasy then becomes such an integral part of daily life and thought, maybe it's time to make sure that it's, you know, that you're socializing those thoughts and not just isolating in those thoughts. Right. Well, and it's hard because like, what do you do with the fact that like, you're not doing anything wrong by having these feelings and thoughts, but it may also hurt your husband. And I think that's sometimes where couples who love one another get stuck and start deciding, I shouldn't share this thing with my partner, even though I haven't done something harmful because I know that it would be difficult or possibly hurtful. So it's better just to silo these things and never to share it. And so I guess what I mean is I I just don't want people to feel like, oh, you have to be Pollyanna-ish and like say like, good morning, darling. Yesterday I had a sexual fantasy about a former (laughs) teacher and your partner would be like, how wonderful. Do tell me all. Like, I I understand that it's not always going to result in like the light, but um, I I do think it's important to at least sometimes find ways to talk about these things because otherwise people will just isolate themselves within a relationship. That's really painful. So... That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 